Good evening, everyone. We are live here from Toronto, and this is the second episode of the Journey Hub. And we have got here the CSO of Mindshare, Sarah Thompson. She has been in the industry for 20 years and across media, across advertising industry, you know, doing everything with strategic uh, media, doing with something with women rights. She has been a pillar in the Canadian advertising industry, I would say. And right now, uh, I would say she is and will be the strongest pillar that I think so at the CSO level that Mindshare would have. So I welcome you, Sarah. That's so nice. Thank you very much. What a gracious introduction. Appreciate that. No problem. So, you know, before uh, we start, let me ask you this important question that before you entered into the you know advertising industry so what mm. was that one first thing that you you got triggered from in order to get to the exposure of this media you know it's interesting i actually didn't start my career in media and advertising i did start in marketing i started in pr um i i saw you know two paths forward one was that i could be a journalist or one i could go into public relations uh, my brother is a very successful journalist, so I opted to go into PR. I also, in my mind's eye, thought I would make more money in PR than a journalist would. Um, but we've all had successful careers, so it's worked out for all of us. Uh, so I actually started in PR, and my career has been navigated by horizontal moves into pretty much every discipline of advertising and marketing that you could think of. So I've, I've run everything from PR campaigns to building digital websites. Um, I've worked in CRM, I've worked in, uh, you know, uh, mobile, I've worked in uh, creative and, and now media as a segue. I would say at this point, there's not a part of marketing that I haven't worked in, um, which is very beneficial when you become somebody very senior because I'm, I would say I'm not a hammer looking for a nail. I'm not looking for one solution to a problem. I can look at it in a myriad of different ways from different angles. And that really has benefited me in my career. The, the horizontal moves have been done out of calculation of seeing how the market changed. You have to think about in 20 years, I saw three recessions. So I've seen a lot of people who climbed a ladder and fell very quickly because they didn't have another skill set to fall back on as the industry changed. So I found those things were really important and crucial to my career development, but also because I, I just love to learn. Like I love, I love human psychology. I love sociology. I love culture. Marketing is at the intersection of that. So it, it's really allowed me to, uh, to find my own way and navigate along the way. And I've come across people who've taken chances on me where potentially my resume didn't read like the thing that was the perfect fit but I have the aptitude or the strategic capability of being able to mold myself into that role or learn really quickly. So those things have really benefited me along the way. You know, it's quite exciting a journey that you have had and it's like the, the path that you have chosen, it's quite interesting too. Like uh, the, the journey shows it's all like how you move from PR into the Canadian advertising industry like, of course, the medium would have been a different, you would have chosen a different thing, but it's quite interesting. Yeah, it, it comes a lot down to um, how is your ability to persuade? How is your ability to storytell? How can you uh, 
um, evolve and adapt. And if you're giving counsel to clients about their brands adapting to new media environments, to how Canadians are purchasing and their shopping behaviors, then you yourself need to be able to adapt as well. And I've really taken that to heart. Um, but at the core of it is, is always the same methodology. What are we researching? What's a great insight? How do I activate on that insight? What makes sense from an investment perspective or an idea that actually connects with people? The framework of that, no matter which segment of marketing and advertising you're in, holds true. It's just your tactical execution is slightly different. Okay. Oh, thank you so much for sharing this story. Um, I will have one more question in one question about that. So we come back to this a little bit later. Sure. Uh, but right now I want to ask you a question about the failures. So what is the biggest failure that you had uh, in your life and what have you taken from there? I would say like, there's not one failure that stands out. I would say it was an orientation or an attitude that I had uh, in a couple of different spots that I've worked in my career that was based on ego of falling too much in love with your idea and not really appreciating the process and how to sell in an idea where everybody's going to chip away at it. Um, I'm gl glad I had those hard knocks early on in my career <laughs> so that my ego is actually not involved. Um, those would be my, my, biggest areas and I, and I would say that those happened gradually like here and there in different spots that sort of took away the chip that you can have on your shoulder when you're entering into a career or when you're young and you're eager um, to realize that disappointment is actually a lesson um, that selling an idea is not necessarily going to be as clean cut as uh, this is the most brilliant thing I could have ever come up with and why aren't you buying it and therefore you're wrong. Um, that's an important lesson to learn as you go, especially as you work in more collaborative work environments that the client is the client and they get the say and it's their time and it's their money. Um, that to me is always an important thing to learn that you're not number one and it's not always you. That's actually a great lesson that you don't frame it. This is something that I'm learning right now, just entering the industry and realizing that all my ideas probably not like the best ideas and I need to appreciate the client's point of view and the way they look at the problem and just the ability to listen and to respond respectfully. I think this is the lesson uh, that we're learning through our journey, all of us. I will say one thing though, there is the the balancing act that you are currently going through, but it is still important to have an opinion and a point of view. Um, clients look to you for that. They're, they're looking to your expertise. They want to know that you're fully informed. Yeah. The challenge of that is that you still need to be somewhat malleable in your experience as you go through your career. So don't be hard and fast about everything, but know your stuff right? Do your homework. Don't show your homework. Those kinds of things are so crucial as you develop and forge your career because you're sitting at the table and the client wants you to speak. You're sitting at the table and your colleagues want you to have a point of view and an opinion. It makes the idea stronger. The thing about that is you also have to be willing to listen to another point of view. You have to be willing to open your ears to new ideas and new perspectives because it actually makes your idea stronger as well. If you think that you are 
headstrong and always right and determined, well, those are great attributes to have, but also are you empathetic? Are you a good listener? Are you collaborative? Do you understand that um, great ideas and the classic uh, sort of phrase merge and evolve and, and become something bigger when all of our minds are put to a problem? It's not just you alone. Um, th those are important lessons to have. And I would say also as a young woman sitting at the table, please have an opinion and a point of view. Uh, it's a, it's a good thing. Everybody should, but I would especially say women at the table, please have a raise your hand and speak up if you have an opinion. Couldn't agree more, you know, couldn't agree more. Like I would love to take a leaf of, out of your book for sure. Pretty sure, you know, and saying about that, let us move to the next question. And I would like to ask that. So if let's say if someone who is new, new to the industry and would love to pursue a career, like say in the, in the industry of media, so what is that advice that you would love to give to him or her who is looking forward to pursue her or his career in the media? I, I would say a few things. One is I think the doors are, are open to a lot of people who are willing to learn um, and are willing to evolve. Um, I would say too, take every opportunity that you get as a learning opportunity. I remember in particular when I was an administrative assistant at my very first job, that was my foot in the door. And my next foot in the door was, I kept asking for opportunity and raising my hand and saying I can do more because I did what I was hired to do really well. And I got permission to raise my hand and to do something else. There was a gentleman, and I'm sure he doesn't even know he did this. His name was Tom Watson. He was a reporter at the time. He was a consultant at the firm that I was at. And he gave me my first project my first thing to do as an admin assistant, my first campaign, and I knocked it out of the park because he gave me that opportunity and I didn't want to let him down. That was my first step. And it wasn't, it was probably like within four years, I was the youngest consultant at the firm. Um, you just, you, you need to realize that when people hand you opportunity and something to do, that it's yours to make. It is yours to create and make it as your stepping stone to the next thing. If you're looking at it as drudgery, if you're looking at it as like, oh God, another thing that's gonna make me work late, then you're not gonna get ahead. And you, those, are, those are choices that you make and those are active choices that you make in your career. Um, and ones that you also need to pass down as you move ahead in your career to other people to say, I wonder what you do with this when I hand you it and see what people make of it. Um, because that, that is how you get ahead. It's, it's not in the, I, I, I you know, deserve my promotion or I deserve a new position. You earn those moves um, time and time again. And it's, uh, you have to be conscious of when those opportunities are being handed to you and what they mean and the optics of it to your agency, to the client, all of those things. Um, and you can also raise your hands for those opportunities too, right? So say, suggest that I see this and I would love to do a project like this. These are the people that I hire. These are the people that, you know, time and time again, I look to as people I can count on in my career because they raise their hand and they said, I would like to do this. So I want to take that on. I'm like, great, you, you do that and let's see what you do with it. You know, it's so inspirational that, you know, people like you, count on people like sometimes it's all about you know you have to get into the industry you need certain experience if you have worked on this then only you will be able to 
uh, entering the industry. It's so great to listen to you, like, you know, giving opportunities to people who might not have the experience, but have the goods and that kind of feeling that, yes, I can do that. So it's really inspiring. And you should, yeah. And I would say too, the onus is on the person who's starting the career. You have to ask for those opportunities. If you have a manager who is buried and kind of, you know, stuck and they have their own career that they're trying to manage and they, and they're just not helping you in your career, you have to make them take notice of you and ask them for it. And if they're not helping you, then maybe that's not, you know, the right manager, the right position, the right place for you at that time. People should be looking at this as how am I helping people manage their careers and create those opportunities. And it's such a crucial thing that where you're stressed and having an entry level job and trying to find a position, it's really important that you understand their culture and how they're going to help you in your career. Don't just get excited that you have an offer. Also make it an interview of them. Make it a thing of what is your culture like? How is your training and development? What's my career progression? How do I manage through that? Make it look like you're really, you know, invested and you want them to be invested in you. That's actually very true uh, because I heard that before that uh, when you're an interview, uh, the person who is interviewing you, not only he's hiring you, but you're hiring the company at that moment. You're choosing the company that you want to work for. And if your decision is wrong, in the future, you will understand that you have no passion, you don't have enthusiasm. But if you do uh, something that you like for the company that you love, uh, this is not a job anymore. It just feels like a hobby and you're inspired and you want to do more and just work for the clients and get the best results for them. Absolutely. I think, I think you really need to take the onus on yourself of this is your career and what are you asking other people to give you opportunities to open doors. So definitely take that seriously and be very conscious of it. Thank you for this advice. And I totally agree with you on that. And uh, just to continue with other questions, um, for us, especially for students, for new graduates, for people who is just trying to get into industry, mm -hmm. uh, we usually look for mentorship. We're looking for people who would be able to give us advice, who would be able to support us on our journey. Uh, so my question is, is who was the most influential person when you just started your journey? You know, I've had a lot of leaders who have taken a lot of chances on me. Um, and, I, and, and I appreciate all of them. Um, but the interesting part is because I've been senior and I've had a lot of people reporting to me for the last decade, I actually look to inspiration of the people who I've, who have been reported into me. I look to those people who took opportunity and did something with it and have gone off and had amazing careers. Um, and there's quite a few of those along the way that to me, that's the biggest reward um, because at the end of the day, it's, it's how everybody collectively is successful. So while I've had leaders who have opened doors for me, I look at it in pride that I've learned a lot from the people that reported into me along the way as sources of inspiration that they've gone on and had tremendous careers or done other things that I didn't even anticipate. Or even my team now, I take a lot of inspiration from, from their from their work ethic, the pride that they put into their work, the thinking that they put into their work. Um, it's, a, it's a bit of a reverse engineering of your question <laughs> because there's a lot of you know, great leaders that I've worked with and for, 
but I take the most pride in the people that have worked that have worked with me than the people that I've reported into. That's amazing. It's actually, uh, I'm sure that Shriyash was not expecting to hear that answer to right now. Yeah, uh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't expect that, you know, that you are being more inspired by the people who have reported to you with such a senior person. I would have thought, yeah, some CMO or a CEO of a company would be the guys that, you know, that would have held you like they might have the most inspirational thing on you that yes those are those are the ones yeah it's a hard one it's a hard one though too because um you get a lot of inspiration from colleagues that you've worked with who approach a problem differently uh, not necessarily a person who wrote a book or is a great public speaker or you know uh, rose to the ranks of something in marketing um because I, I always have in my career, and this is, this is continues to be true, hold that I like to be as close to the work as possible. This is probably why I won't be running an agency and why I'm best suited for a strategy position at the seniority that I have, because I like to do the work. The work is something that drives me every day. I learn something new. I learn something from new from my team. This, this, is, this is it for me. Um, not it for my career, but I don't know what's next to happen. But for right now, that's the thing that inspires me the most. Um, not, not anything else has ever driven me as much as that. And I've, I've had exposure to great people, but that is really what drives me. That crystal thing, you know, to be clear in your mind, I really appreciate it. You know, that's Thanks. fantastic, really. <laughs> so, you know, talking about media and you working cross media, you know, for at least now for two decades. Mm -hmm. So people talk about the media a lot. So what is that common myth that people talk about media and you want to debunk it? Um, I would say there's a few things that have happened in our industry as trends that have actually been to our detriment. The first is that we got really excited about having metrics appear um, that we can react to quickly on major platforms. Um, yes, that is super exciting. And yes, that they often provide scale and reach in ways that make sense and that, um, that people engage with. And I think of search and I think of social channels, especially in this. The challenge that I would say to this is that we've also created a lot of mythology around traditional media channels and the value that they bring. I think of TV, I think of print. Um, and we've abandoned sort of the tried and true method of gaining a person's attention to the topic that you want them to pay attention to so that they purchase, that they think of your brand differently. That's fundamentally what we're trying to do. Um, we've created a lot of noise in our industry that makes it very challenging. And that noise too has been to the detriment of what should be a very vibrant media economy um, and in ecosystem in Canada. And I talk a lot about this uh, in the last couple of years that we don't have as much of a vibrant local news media at all. We are not, we're not building communities that have um, media to look to or to see themselves anymore. We've, we've moved money to major platforms. 
um, because we saw the metrics move faster. And I think if you think about a brand, it's not something that changes or evolves in a quarter. And we've been very much about short-termism. And the long-term cost of that is that we don't have a vibrant media environment. And I look to the the cost of COVID right now of how many journalists have lost their jobs and how many newsrooms have closed and how many news deserts we currently have in Canada. I look to the rise of populism in the United States, which is very possible could happen here too. These things are all important because we need to shift our investment back to what does media need to be in Canada for us to be successful advertisers and marketers. And there is great places of Facebook and Google and TV and mass but there are also these communities that are incredibly underserved that need advertising to be able to thrive. And the data always shows that attention in a news environment is much more successful than any other place, but we've forgotten that. We've leaned too heavy into brand safety. So that all being said, my umbrella answer to that question is, all of the assumptions and urban legend and mythology that we've created in our space because we've put in place habits needs to de-evolve and start looking at what is our profession, how do we invest our clients' dollars wisely, and how do we have a vibrant media ecosystem in Canada? That's, to me, the most pressing issue right now in our space. You know, I have read a couple of articles that you published it about the print media, that how print media is very important in the Canadian advertising industry, and it plays a major role. So I couldn't agree more on that reason being I myself have worked like for a year in a print media, uh, you know, agency. So print media never dies. People say that is print media dying? I would say no, never. It cannot die. It plays a similar and parallel role with the data. Yeah, I would say, I would suggest, you know, the, the problem is, is the lagging da data and the meaning that we give to things. There's a lot of weight to that. And if you see something that gives you immediate effect, you give it immediate benefit. That's not necessarily actually true, the correlation of those two. Um, and I will say when I go home to my hometown of Dorchester, Ontario and sit on my mom's couch and she has the local community newspaper, I can't help but flip through it, right? We resubscribed to the Globe and Mail that gets delivered to our house on Saturday. I have no problems grabbing a magazine when the movies were opened and flipping through it before the movie started. The, the challenge is, is that we over pivot and we think that uh, the mo our mobile devices are the be all and end all because we look at time spent. We don't look at how that time is spent, right? I would always say be reticent of what are my behaviors when I'm in these platforms? Is it I'm in it for two seconds and I'm out of it? Am I just scrolling to try to find my friends? Where's your attention going? Really pay attention to that because that is the telling story of how everybody interacts and how everybody looks at things. If I'm in Google and I have a question about, you know, basically we just asked, what is the maternity leave? Where's the best maternity leave in the world? We were asking this before this interview started. The answer is Estonia, I'm out. Like there doesn't, there's no advertising there in that question. It's, I had a question and, and I wanted to find out the answer. Um, we need to understand that there's a lot of people seeking information and seeking answers to questions and that brands should first and foremost figure that out of how they answer those questions and how they make the experience easier for people to answer those questions. What is the size of the sweater? How does the sweater compare to other sizes of other sweaters? Will this fit me? Am I going to have to return it? What's your return policy? How hard is that? 
you know, these are all of the questions that we run into um, all the time. And those are the questions that, you know, in a relationship with a brand, especially if you're e-commerce, the ones that you need to address really quickly. And I don't know, we are all consumers at heart that work in our industry, but for some reason we always forget that those same rules apply when we ourselves are creating products and services and marketing to others. Um, those are still the same rules. If it's hard to return, if it's hard, like you're creating a brand perception. If I can't get an answer, if I can't get this canceled, if I have a pain point here, these all create the brand effect. Um, as much as advertising can course correct and make people feel something and grab their attention, it's all interconnected. So it's a, it's, those are like the fundamentals of how we think about what marketing is and who owns what and how these silos are created needs to dissolve and we need to rebuild in the way that actually is meaningful for consumer and meaningful to move businesses forward. Yeah, and I just wanted to add, probably it's very important to understand the consumer journey from our side. That's what you just mentioned, that when you're looking for something and you're looking for the size of the sweater, then you don't like the color of the sweater. You'll try to return the sweater. And uh, it's very important to understand uh, for people in the advertising how it actually works for people who are trying to communicate with this brand, who are trying to... Um, I don't know, get something, for example, get a product uh, from the specific store and how the perception of the brand change um, every time a person can find the return policy on a website and how this actually has an influence on a brand in the future. Absolutely does. And I think from a customer journey perspective, we we're still caught in funnels. We're still caught in like cycles. We're still caught in all of those things, but why not start with the mindset of the question? I am shopping for a car because my lease is up. What does a person do? I am shopping for a sweater. What does a person do? Um, and start in those places because do you have a brand that is top of mind in that discussion? Well, I'm going to think about these three brands because I really like them. And I remember somebody recommended it to me. And that's another element that I think often in advertising, we, we forget most of our businesses are built on recommendations. It's for younger generations, it's built on the five stars, right? The quick, how did I see it? Five star ranking, if you're below four, you must be garbage. And do you have a volume of enough reviews that it actually is loaded? And then you can add on like your bot technology to basically go, how much is this fake? Younger generations. My generation is somebody told me that this was good. Right? Somebody told me that this is something that I should have, that this is the best. Or I'll dig into like after review, after review, after review of is this the best choice? I remember when I was, I was renewing my lease for my car this year, how many videos of different people from around the world walking through that car I went through to understand the slight differences and nuances between the other car I wanted. None of that content was provided to me by any of the cars I looked at none of that content existed there. It was all done by somebody else. So there's those things that are so incredibly important that we always need to factor into our decision-making of somewhere in there, somebody is influencing me. Are you as a brand influencing more than that person? Is that person hold more weight in my life? Um, do those voices matter more to me? And understanding that intersection is such a crucial thing to being a marketer these days. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm taking notes. 
no, but honestly, I, w- I agree with you on that. And just to continue with that, um, I wanted to ask a question, probably that's something that you were asked before so many times, but how COVID-19 had an influence on the brands right now and uh, how it has ex- impacted the mindshare? Um, I would say there's a couple of things. We made a very conscious effort really early on to lean into research, to challenge assumptions that we had. Uh, so we, we did that really out of the gate. And we've done, I think at this point, like 10 webinars or something. I can't even keep up. The reason, and we've made them public. So anybody can attend them. Uh, the reason why we believe in that is because we believe information is valuable. The other part from a mindshare perspective is you, you quickly scenario plan. So you're thinking about all of the different factors of how this could affect media from production to you know, volume to pricing, all of that, so that we, as an organization, were sharing that intelligence across clients and so that we all knew what was possible and what could happen. And so we were having really um, significant conversations with our clients. What we saw from the industry perspective was a lot of people who quickly leaned out when they should have leaned in. And that was probably, you know, especially in the e-commerce space, if you had a shopping environment of any sort, um, this was your moment to lean in to capture market share because new habits were forming where people wouldn't, sh- wouldn't shop in an e-commerce space, click and collect, online grocery shopping. I put all of these in that same category, weren't, now are. And the data continues to show that those habits that people formed in those moments is holding true. So you had a moment to grow share, to hold share by evolving your products, your services, and your advertising differently, did you? Um, and I think there's still a chance for those brands that leaned out. Um, maybe it was because their technology infrastructure, their logistics or supply chain wasn't working. I I don't, I think we'll still have, you know, we're in a second wave right now. We'll have a third wave after the Christmas holidays because people can't help but want to be with each other. So unfortunately that means the virus will spread again. Uh, you can't ban people from doing that, although it looks like they're trying to figure out ways how which means that there will still be volatility going into next year of new of these habits being evolved and changed. I, for instance, started COVID with shopping, uh, click and collect. I've now involved to just deliver it to my door because my time is precious and it feels like the bleeding between personal and work life is just gone that it's more important for me to have, you know, my Saturday morning with my family than being going into the grocery store and going through lines and trying to figure that out. We're all making these new choices all the time. So where you have a research study today, and this is why we're trending research, where you had a research study today that might not hold true in two months. And so all of your assumptions that you have of who is a Canadian, what are the pressures that they have, how are they behaving and how are they shopping need to be challenged. That is what we continue to do at Mindshare. You know, couldn't agree more with that. And with a shortage of time, you know, uh, first of all, I would like to thank you for being our guest. You know, it's so, so great and so inspiring for all the people out there who will be listening this. And like, of course, for us, for for sure. So before you go, like, I want to ask this question and there's a, you know, signature question for for us as, as a host that, what is that advice that you would like to give to the young marketers out there who during this COVID-19 period, 
that if they want to enter the media industry. Never have the hubris that you know it all. The reality of where I started my career and where it is now, I started, there was no Facebook, there was no Netflix. Look at where we are now. I don't know what 10 years from now will look like. I don't know what that media environment will look like. We've talked about AR and VR and streaming and this and that. The reality of it is, is I don't know. It's my willingness to want to learn that keeps me relevant and keeps my career going. If you stop wanting to do that, then this is not the industry for you. Um, so truly have a love of learning and have a desire to want to keep learning and adapting and evolving. Um, and that will really help you in your career. Thank you so yeah. much. Thank Thanks, you for guys. doing Thanks this. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You know, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Uh, Darina, I think so. Let us have Sarah go for her cup of tea or a cup of coffee. You know, I, we have taken a lot of like the 40 minutes of us, but it has been an interesting talk with you. You, you know, topic about different things, uh, how you have all gone through. I know this could be in a nutshell. It would be a long journey, but uh, might it might be a case that people might take a leap out of your book and can implement implicated in their life we, we, we just want that thing well I, I want that for people too I, I honestly i want everybody to have a great career and thrive and be successful and if any of my lessons that i've had over my career help somebody else please you know take it um but also realize that it's your career to manage and where you want to take it in the trajectory and own it and have an opinion at the table and do all of the learning that you need to do to be excellent at your job. Yes, and honestly, thank you so much uh, for sharing with us such important, such valuable insights. And um, I'm sure your story will be inspirations for new marketers, for new graduates. I have so many people who reach out to me and asking, oh my God, I don't know what to do now. I just graduated from college. and. Thank you so much for sharing with us your story. And 40 minutes is definitely not enough. Uh, <laughs> pleasure, guys. Thank you very much. <laughs> it was a pleasure to talk to you, Sarah. Like, uh, stay connected, stay safe, and enjoy your time. Uh, and, you know, uh, keep doing what you love. And I really lo love the way that you, you know, you promote the print media. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you very much, guys. Make sure you support your local news, everybody. Thank you very much. Yeah, sure. Thank you so much, Sarah, for doing this. Have a good Cheers. one. Bye -bye. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.